I want to ask you a question. What are you hoping for? What are your hopes and dreams for your future? I think at the start of the year, often we look at what we are hoping for, for the future of 2020. And boy, did our year present something much different to what we anticipated. I think at the start of the year, you know, people were hoping and planning for great things for the year, maybe a promotion, uh, different workplaces, a new body, a transformed body, whether you were going to go to the gym or, you know, do something profoundly different, maybe a holiday, maybe a break that you are hoping for. Can you take yourself back to the start of the year and remind yourself, what were you hoping for back then? But isn't it interesting in the year that we've had, and particularly here in Melbourne, that we suddenly realised that the hopes that we had for the future were remarkably different in the middle of the year than what they were at the start. All of a sudden, the hopes that we had for our lives were more around, we hope we can see our family soon. We hope we can spend more than an hour out of our home soon. We hope that we can start moving further than five kilometres away from our home soon. We hope that we can actually go into the work office soon. Our hopes and dreams for the future were so different in the middle of the year than what they were at the beginning. And yet now as we start to move out of restrictions, we start to change our hopes again. And I ask you, what are you hoping for in your future? You see, hope is so important. It's important in every single person's life. They say that you can last a week without food. You can last a day without water. You can last a minute without air, but you cannot last a moment without hope. Hope is essential in our life. It's essential in us keeping moving forward and knowing that we have something better in our future. If you read through the Bible, which is such a a great message of hope for all people, over and over and over and over again, this word hope comes up, a hope for a better future. In fact, there's a particular verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, after the writer has told about all these different ways that you can live, how you should live, how you should speak, how you should act. And he finishes by saying, with all of these things, but now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Hope right in the middle of these three essential things in every single person's life. So let me tell you the definition of hope that I'm going to be talking about today. Because we all have hope and we can say it quite flippantly. Oh, we, I hope my footy team wins or, you know, I hope uh, this light turns green soon. soon. We, we have lots of short-term hopes in our life. But let me unpack the definition that I'm going to be working off today. Hope is believing for something better in the future, not determined by your present situation, but on your understanding of the past. Now, that's a long definition, so I'm going to repeat it, but I say three key key words, future, present, and past. Hope is 
believing for something better in your future, not dependent on your present situation, but on your understanding of the past. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Uh, Let's just say that I am putting our seven-year-old to bed at night and I, I tuck him in, we say prayers, I give him a kiss and as I walk out the door, my hope for his future is that he will go to sleep. It's a fairly short-term hope, but regardless, it's a hope nonetheless. My hope is that he will go to sleep because I know that if he goes to sleep, tomorrow will be so much better for him. And if tomorrow is so much better for him, then tomorrow will be better for all of us, right? So my hope for his future is that he goes to sleep. But that is not determined on the present situation because as I am walking out the bedroom door, he is sitting up in bed looking wide-eyed at me and starting to look around the room thinking, what can I gather? What can I play with? What can I do to to extend this time of awakeness for me? He's humming a tune and as I walk away, I can hear his bed creaking as he moves around. My hope for him to go to sleep in the future is not based on the present situation. The present situation is that he is awake and moving around. It is, however, based on my understanding of the past. Every single night that I have put our seven-year-old to bed, he has gone to sleep. Sure, it may not have been in my timing, may not have been as early as I would like, but he has actually gone to sleep. Not only that, my understanding of the past of all seven-year-olds, if they are tired and they are in a warm, comfortable, safe place, they will eventually go to sleep. My hope for the future is believing for something better in the future not determined on the present situation, but my understanding of the past and what has happened in the past. But there are two different types of hope that we can believe in. The first one is this, believing for something better in the future, not determined by the present situation, but on your understanding of the past based on human capacity. We can have a hope based on a human capacity. By looking around us and seeing what is humanly possible, it determines the hope we have for our future. So if I was basing my future based on a human capacity, I would look at science. I would look at uh, the capabilities within current medicine. I would look at what people have done in the past and I would look at my own abilities and the people around me. Now, I was not hoping that my seven-year-old would grow wings and fly out of his bedroom, right? I was basing it on a human capacity, a human ability. But that is only one way we can hope, based on a human capacity. The second way that we can hope is believing for something better in the future, not determined by our present situation, but on your understanding of the past based on God's capacity. 
Because when we hope for the future based on God's capacity, we are hoping for the future based on a God who flung stars into sky, who brought breath and life into every living being. He divided the waters. He brought everything into being. This is the God that we can hope for in our future. Not only that, but a God who loved us so much that he sacrificed everything that he had by giving us his one and only son. And as Jesus lived on earth, he taught us how to live. He showed us the capacity of God by bringing clarity to teaching, by loving those on the margins, by healing the sick, making the blind see and the lame walk. This is the capacity of God that Jesus showed us here on earth. But he went even further, that even though he was perfect and blameless, He was willing to go to the cross, to die such a a gruesome death so that when we do the wrong thing, we don't take on the punishment, but he took the punishment on the cross. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering death, showing us yet again the capacity of this incredible God that we have access to, that because of Jesus's death and resurrection, We can have this close, intimate relationship with God. And God even goes a step further than that and gives us the Holy Spirit in our lives to prompt us and guide us and comfort us in how we can live. What is your hope based on? Is it based on a human capacity of what you see you could do within your own strength? Or is it based on a godly capacity, something so huge, something so great that it extends and expands our hope for the future? Let me explain it in these terms. Now, I could think right now as I sit here in the light studio, oh, I hope I can get a drink of water soon. Now, uh, you might think that's that's not such a big hope. It's it's not really. I'm not really stretching my hope in a significant way. I mean, uh, I haven't based it on my human capacity because, of course, I forgot to bring my water bottle to the studios, didn't I? However, I am sitting here with Alan Martin, one of the most loveliest, caring, generous people you could possibly meet. And as I look to my right, I notice Alan has provided me with a glass of water. Now, even if I wasn't here with Alan, I know that within these studios, I am probably maybe 20 metres away from the light kitchen and I could walk there myself and get myself a glass of water as well. In hoping for a glass of water, my hope is not really stretched. I'm still hoping within my human capabilities. But imagine if this morning I woke up in the middle of the desert I had nothing on my back except the clothes that I was wearing. All I could see around me was sand and stones and rocks as far as the eye could see. And as the sun was coming up past the horizon, already I could feel that dry, heavy heat starting to dry out my throat. 
Now, if in that moment I thought, oh, I really hope I could get a glass of water soon, you can see that my hope is suddenly being stretched beyond my capacity. It's having to be stretched so much further than when I'm in a safe, helpful place. So often it's not until we are in a time of crisis that we really understand where our hope is and who we are placing our hope in. When things are going really well and everything's going smoothly, it's easy to put our hope in our own human capacity. But when things get tough and when our hope is being stretched, it's challenging us to think outside the human capacity. And when you are in a time of trial or crisis, it's then that we start to realise that our hope needs to be in something far greater than human capacity. And we have a God who loves us and desires to be close to us and help us, that he is there ready and willing for us to put our hope in his capabilities. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, whenever you come to a time of trial, you try and solve it yourself first, right? I mean, we, we like to think that we're, we're capable and we're, we have capacity to do a certain amount of things. And whenever I'm starting to feel stressed or a, a crisis comes up, I always try and do it on my own. Is that you too? Do you try and just try and do it on your own capacity first? Well, can I say if that is you, then you are in good company. You're not the only one that only looks and hopes for your future based on what you think you are capable of. And it's not just me that you is in your company, but there are people all throughout history who have relied on themselves rather than relying on God. In fact, there is an incredible story in the Bible. It's such an amazing, powerful story of God's capabilities, and I'd love to share it with you today. But it reminds us, as as I read it through, it reminds us that we often think of our human capacity before we believe in God's capacity. I'm going to read from the book of Acts in chapter 12 and starting at verse 1. But to give you a bit of a context, this is a time where Jesus has has died, he's risen again. He has shown himself to the disciples and his followers and he's ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit has come down and is moving around the believers and they are spreading out to tell the good news about Jesus. This is an exciting time in the life of the early church. However, in doing so, they're coming against some huge boundaries, some huge authority boundaries. The the Jewish leaders at the time still did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah and they were doing everything they could to stop the believers from spreading this incredible news. But they weren't the only authorities. In fact, uh, the the people were living under Roman rule and even the Roman authorities were doing everything that they could to stop this, uh, this message going out. They had already put one of the disciples, James, to death. And now they had Peter, one of Jesus's closest disciples in prison. And we pick up the story there. Acts Chapter 12, starting from verse 1. It was about this time 
that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Now, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. I love this passage. It doesn't just tell about the incredible capacity of our God, but it also reminds us that like us too, we often limit the capacity of God. Did you hear what what Peter was thinking as the angel, there was an angel before him dropping his chains from his hands, keeping the soldiers asleep while he walked past right through them, opening the city gate as he walked through, taking Peter from the depths of the darkest dungeon into the light of the, the middle of the city And it's not until the angel leaves and Peter is standing alone in the city instead of in prison that he realises, wow, God has moved in an incredible way. There was no human capacity that could have taken him from the prison to the city. It was only God's capacity that could do that. 
And yet even Peter was astonished and amazed that it had happened. And not just Peter, but the believers, the church who were praying for him, no doubt praying for Peter, for his safety, for his release, praying for the early church that they would be able to continue this incredible message of hope and love, of the capacity of God. And yet when Peter himself knocks on their door, what do they say? Oh, you must be wrong. It it must be his angel. It must just be a vision. Even they, while praying, only had that human understanding and that human capacity. But this is an incredible story that reminds us this same God that could release Peter from prison in an incredible way is the same God who loves us, who loves you, wants to have a close relationship with you and is willing to give you a hope for a better future, not based on our human capacity, but based on a God capacity that can break chains, that can open doors, that can free those that are in bondage. This is a God that when your opposition is winning, he can come through with victory. When your health is failing, he can bring life and breath. And when your finances have run dry, he can bring hope and clarity for your future. And Peter, incredibly, as he's talking to these people who were praying, he gives us a message of hope as well. He tells us how we can keep this hope that is based on God's capacity going in our own lives. And he says it in verse 17. He says, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. Peter is saying, tell my story, spread the good news, keep talking about how God continues to move and breathe in our world today. That is how we spread the message of hope, not based on our human understanding and our human capacity, but based on God's capacity in our life. We stop and start telling the story. Where is it that you have seen hope flourish in your life? Where is it that God has made a way in your life beyond an understanding that you ever thought possible? So I'm going to finish today by sharing a, a story of hope that I experienced in my life, not based on human capacity, but based on God's capacity. This was a time quite a few years ago where I was working in a place where I held a a level of leadership, but my boss uh, would help me with my leadership and what I was trying to achieve within my work. But it just seemed to happen that constantly over and over, we were just on a different page. And as I tried to work out who I was and how I could work as best as I could in this organisation, I just kept banging my head against brick walls over and over again. And it got to the point where it was so bad that I I approached my boss and said, look, I just don't think this is working out. This is how I would like to change my, my job so that I could still work and still have human capacity within my place of business. 
And it just went from bad to worse. I was shut out of meetings. I wasn't spoken to. I was left for days without any communication. And it was starting to affect everything. Uh, Even though people relied on me in my work, it was affecting my work. It was affecting my family. It was affecting my relationships. And so one day I went for a really long walk. And the whole time that I was walking, I was just praying, God, I don't know how to get out of this situation. I don't know what my future will hold. Looking at it from my human eyes, it looked bleak. It didn't look good. I was either going to have to uh, just keep butting my head against a brick wall or I was moving on with nothing else to go to and not knowing what my future would hold. And the whole way around, I was praying and praying, God, give me an answer. Help me to know what I should do. What should I be hoping for for my future? And I got almost to the end of my walk and I was actually, I remember it so clearly, I was standing on the top of a significant hill And I felt as close to the sky as I had throughout my whole walk. And I just said to God, this is it. I need an answer. What am I to do? I'm either going to let down the people that are relying on me or I'm going to let myself down. God, what do I do? And I heard nothing. Silence. And I thought, oh, well, that's it. You know, maybe... Maybe God doesn't care so much or it's not as important to him. And as I turned around to walk down the hill, this doesn't happen very often to me, but the phrase came into my mind, Linda, there's more in your future. And if you have ever experienced something like that, where you've had a phrase that's come into your mind, you feel like maybe it's been God's spirit that's prompted you. There's so much feeling and emotion that comes with those words. It's not just those words, but I got this feeling as well that everything was going to be okay. If I moved on from this job, that God would have me in the future as well. And so I walked really quickly home. I spoke to my husband and I said, look, I I think it's time that I I actually leave. I think I need to resign. I don't think this is a healthy situation for anyone. And we didn't know what the future would hold. But believe it or not, the next employment I had was at the light. And I came and worked here and had such an incredible time working with the team and was able to heal from the time that I had been through. It was not within my human capacity to fix my present situation. But I hoped in a God who had a greater capacity than I could ever have. And he was faithful and he was loving and he was compassionate and he was true to his word. So as I finish up, no matter where you are at, no matter what situation you are in, whether you have great hopes for your future or maybe you're in a time of trial and suffering where you do not know what your future holds. I am here to tell you that we have a God who loves us and cares for you, who wants to draw close to you and give you a hope for a future, not based on human capacity, but based on a godly capacity.
So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for always being faithful. Thank you for always being loving and gracious. No matter what is happening in our world, you are faithful and you are true. God, as we look to the future, even as restrictions ease, things are looking a little more hopeful. But God, we know that the world that we live in, there will be trials and that there will be challenges. And that when we are in that place, we can still turn to you and put our hope for the future, not based on what our capacity is, but based on your capacity of a God who created and loved and sacrificed and kept his promises to us always. Thank you, God, for being such a faithful, loving God that we can put our hope in you. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen.